Ugh, launched before I was ready. <laughs> this is me fumbling about. There we are. All right, just about ready. There we go. There we go. And boom, and That's the intro. That's how it's supposed to go. Welcome back, everyone. If you are joining me for the first time, thank you. Welcome. Hi. How's it going? Nice to see you. Um, this is the Friday afternoon nap time show. My son is currently napping, though he's been napping for a little bit. I might have to cut this thing short because he might wake up. I was supposed to, uh, this episode, I teased it last, last uh, Friday, that I was going to be talking with Yvonne and uh, Chris again, who were on episode five, where we talked about bias. And we were going to talk about assimilation. Fortunately, uh, scheduling three people at a random time when the baby might be napping is, is actually fairly difficult. So uh, that's going to have to be another time uh, because we couldn't actually make it all work. And we didn't want to like, you know, kind of like rush the thing and do it the wrong way. Um, so this is the Friday afternoon nap time show with me, Jeff Gibbard. Again, my son's napping. I'm going to Try and do what I can here. Uh, we're streaming live to all of your favorite platforms. Uh, LinkedIn, YouTube, Facebook, uh, even Twitch. And the show is live and unedited, as you could see from the very beginning, where I was completely discombobulated. Um, today, I'm going to talk a little bit about automation. Uh, and the reason I want to talk about automation, a couple different reasons. Uh, one, uh, it's part of the business that I do. Uh, I have a business called Super Automated, um, and that is... Um, Super Automated is a business that focuses exclusively on automation. So automating different routine tasks in your business. So trying to get data from one place to another, uh, marketing automation sequences, having an automated sales funnel, all that sort of good stuff. And um, I wrote a post about automation uh, recently. Anyway, it looks like my uh, video is coming through kind of choppy. Not a big fan of that. Not sure what's going on. But um, I'm going to talk a little bit about automation today. <clears throat> so give me just a moment. Again, I just kind of like ran here to jump on in this brief period of time that I have while baby is napping. Uh, and I'm listening, make sure that he's not crying. So automation, where to start. Um, so in the blog post, I talked about a couple different things. One, so I've been doing various different things with computer automation for like 20 years now. And when I say that out loud, it just sounds wild because I don't feel like someone who has 20 years of experience in anything, um, even though I do, several things. But so I gave a couple examples of things that I've been automating for a long time. Um, if you go way, way back uh, when I was just coming out of uh, undergraduate and I was doing photography and video and things like that, there were a lot of different automations you could use then 
with things like Photoshop, such as actions and batch processing. This is really cool when you're trying to put like the same border on every one of your photos or apply the same sort of effect to every one of your photos. So you set up an action, you hit record and you go through your steps. And then basically batch processing says, pick a group of photos and hit and, and then hit play. And it'll basically do all of those actions on all of those photos. So that's like early, early, early automation. And in the experience I had, um, there was a program that came out by Apple called Automator. Uh, that was back in 2005. And I got really interested in that super early on trying to figure out different ways that I could have my computer do stuff. I was always kind of into the idea of like Jarvis from the, from Iron Man, but like before Jarvis, um, just the idea that I could like talk to my computer and have it do stuff. So Automator was my opportunity to do that. And the, the first, and I guess the biggest application where I ever used that was, uh, I was at a job, which oh, I try never to do that. Um, but I, I had a job, I had a boss, it was a company, I was employed. And I was a little paranoid that they were just going to fire me at any point. Um, I don't exactly know why. Um, and I just had this like very contentious thing with any sort of authority. It's just been my thing since I was a kid. And I set up, um, I was one of the only people that used a Mac, uh, at this company, um, which they allowed me to because of the type of work I was doing. And, um, and I had set it up at one point to have an automator action that was listening for a particular email with a particular subject line. And if it were to receive that, it would go about deleting uh, basically all of my files. So it was sort of like a self-destruct button that I created, um, which, you know, that just kind of goes to show, be careful who you hire. Some people will do things like that. Um, but that was another use of automation that I thought, isn't it cool that I can just like send commands to my computer remotely and it would do and execute commands. Um, so that was very cool. Um, and then, uh, you know, as I was really deep into social media, one of the things that, <clears throat> you know, back in 2008, 2009, 2010 uh, era, a lot of what I really tried to figure out was the most efficient ways to uh, publish in one place and have that broadcast or publish to multiple different channels all at once. Uh, so the idea was really to, uh, to try and minimize the amount of work, but maximize the output and maximize my visibility. So I was using different tools, like at the time there was something called Ping.fm, Ping which was a tool that you could basically publish from Ping.fm to your Facebook, to your Twitter, to your LinkedIn, to all these different places. And that was really cool. And then there were these other tools like Twitter feed, where you could pump in an RSS feed and then connect it to your various socials and it would automatically publish content. So you could use that for like one of your own blogs or a podcast and have it published to your different social channels. You could also, in the time, content curation and like aggregating um information and feeds from other places was really popular uh, on you know places like Twitter. So what, what you would do is uh, plug an RSS feed from a popular blog, like say Mashable or um, you know social media marketing, um, uh, social media examiner, I'm sorry, uh, or social media explorer, any of those two. Um, and I would take the RSS feeds from that and I would then plug that into Twitter feed and it would broadcast to my Twitter. So I was looking for ways of making like work just easier. So I didn't have to sit there toiling away, finding articles and then uh, sending them. I could, I could find ways to do it otherwise. Like one of the things I would do is uh, I had all these RSS feeds that would come into Google Reader. And if I start it or if I gave it a particular tag, that would then trigger, um, you know, Twitter feed or something like that to, uh, to send everything out to my various social networks. So I was really into this idea of um, automating things to save time and to maximize output. And I started to realize that in each of these different cases, there was sort of um, an underlying principle that was being applied, which was that there are triggers and there are actions. And I 
got really good at understanding that you could tie together triggers to actions which served as triggers to another action which could serve as a trigger to another action. So very much like a Rube Goldberg machine. I cover this in my blog post. If you haven't subscribed to my blog, just go to jeffgibbard.com slash blog or jeffgibbard.com and navigate to becoming superhuman, um, which is just in the top nav. But that's where I blog. It's where you can get my newsletter and things like that. It's really good. So started looking at all these things. Now, fast forward to today. Okay. So part of the reason I wrote this article is that the big topic, if you look on LinkedIn, on Twitter, on Facebook, especially if you have anything to do with marketing, but even if you don't, you probably have heard a lot about generative AI. Now, maybe you don't know what generative AI is, but you've probably heard of ChatGPT at this point. So ChatGPT, Lex, Jasper, um, Byword, all of these are different AI tools. Notion, one of my favorite tools in the entire world, now has a built-in AI. Adobe is getting into the game and uh, doing their own generative AI with graphics and, and with imagery, like a tool like Midjourney or Dolly are doing. So there's this entire world that's emerging right now of AI, where you can put in a prompt and have AI uh, give you uh, something back, right? So prompt, chat, back and forth, result. And all that's super dope. But I think we have to go back further and start talking about automation in kind of general terms if we want to begin to see how we can fit this into our workflow. Because it's not much more efficient. It, it's more efficient, but it's not as efficient as it could be if all you do is sit back and forth and chat with ChatGPT and have it take its thing and then you put it elsewhere. If you could instead, in the course of your work, simply trigger something that gives you back what you're looking for. Now we're saving time. Move something from this column to that column. That's the sort of thing that you're going to be looking for uh, where, where you want to really save time and energy. So that was the purpose of the post really was to think about that. Um, I gave some rules in this and I want to talk a little bit about that. And then I just want to share a little bit about some of the automation that I'm doing over at Super Automated with my business partner, Todd. Um, and how that integrates and interfaces with my other company, Super Productive, that I'm working with my business partner, Sarah, and, um, and our two team members, uh, Brenda and Alexis. We use a lot of automation in that business. Super Automate is all about automation. And there's a lot of overlap there. And there's some principles that I've kind of looked at and found that I think are really, really good ways of thinking about automation and how to incorporate automation, kind of where to start, right? Like you... If you're listening to this, you could be anywhere on a spectrum of um, thinking about automation. You might be someone who's looking for even better ways and you're already doing something. You could be someone who's like, ah, I don't even know what to do. I don't know where to start. You, I've automated nothing, right? So I want to give you some tips and tools for that. Wherever you are on this, this spectrum I just outlined, um, these are tips that might be helpful for you. So the first is the rule of threes. This is, I think, just a really helpful rule of thumb for you to just have in the back of your mind, if you do anything the exact same way three times and you plan to do it a fourth, you should probably either automate it or build a template or something like that. Um, sorry, I keep getting a call from the same number, but I'm live streaming. So I feel like it's kind of rude for me to take a call while I'm talking to you. So anywho, um, where was I? Rule of threes. If you do something three times, and you think you're going to do it a fourth time, you should probably automate or build a template or something like that. Because why keep recreating the same thing over and over and over? Why keep uh, writing the same email? Why keep 
creating the exact same proposal from scratch? Why keep doing it the same each time manually? Like just automate it. Do something where you can save yourself some time. So at Super Productive, we talk about that as if you do it three times, you should create a template. At Super Automated, we say if you do it three times, you should create an automation around it. And then there's usually overlap between those two. Um, so this is about like the standardization of the output. So if the output is going to be relatively the same, you can automate it that way. And I'll give you a couple examples that that might seem counterintuitive, right? So if you know that every time you follow up with a sales prospect, you're going to probably say the same structure of the email, but you're going to be filling in different names. Uh, you might be filling in different products or offers that you have or keynotes or whatever it is that you're selling. And then you might have like, you know, a different like personalized ending. You can actually set up like just a basic form, like a gravity form, where you put in the information. You select from maybe from a dropdown of like two or three different things that you sell. And you select from a dropdown of two or three different things that you want to ask about that you maybe have those already thought out, five different things that you usually ask. Um, maybe you have a resource that you send, you pick from a dropdown there. And then at the bottom, you can have a little free form where you put in sort of like your personalized part. And then you hit go and you can actually pump that through something like Zapier or Make or um, any number of other different no-code automation tools. And you can actually have that just go out. So you don't have to go through the whole different thing and it'll just pull from the template and drop in those things like a merge field. Another example that you could do something like that. If you're using something like, um, if you've ever heard of, there's a book called Building a Story Brand. It's by Donald Miller. Fantastic book. You should totally read it. It's incredible. Um, and there's a certain flow to the story brand formula. There are seven parts. It's called the story brand seven. And you can go through these different pieces and fill in those parts. And then you can have that get pumped through chat GPT and it can output a full brand story for you. You can do it for YouTube videos. You can do it for tweets, for LinkedIn posts, for whatever. If you have a certain format that you're always going to follow, and then you're just kind of pushing in the variables you can have generative AI plugged into that, or you can just have something that automatically fills that into a template. So those are some ways of thinking about automating things if you do it, you know, three times or so. Um, so that's, it. That's, that's a lot of stuff that I've been working on and doing and building in. Um, a lot of times, so another thing that I've built um, for myself, for my companies, is a fully automated sales funnel. So when we get a lead, that lead the only things that we do manually with a lead that comes into our business, the only things that we do manually are we have two meetings and we show up at them and we talk and we converse. Every other part of our process is fully automated. So the scheduling of the meeting, automated. The follow-up to the meeting to schedule the, the next meeting, automated. Coming out of that second meeting, which is the proposal meeting, what's the proposal? It's it's pulling from one of our multiple templates and um, prepackaged automations that are the different things that we offer. When somebody says, yeah, I'm interested, they click a link, we automatically send them the follow-up that is an agreement. If they sign that agreement, it automatically will then send them an invoice. If they pay that invoice, it will automatically send them an onboarding email. So we are taking ourselves out of the process of doing something that we would do repetitively each and every time the exact same way by using automation and by having triggers that are at, that trigger actions that become triggers of the next thing. So we're able to actually daisy chain different automations together and take ourselves out of some of these processes. And if you're wondering if it works, our close rate is 83%. So if somebody gets asks for a proposal from us, it, we close 83% of them. Uh, we did the math on it. That's an insane close rate, just so you know. Um, and I attribute a lot of that to the fact that we get back to people 
instantly. Why? Because we just have to press one button. We press one button and the whole thing goes into action. Um, I look at that as a major win. You know, like I use other tools like uh, Text Expander, I talk about a lot, uh, which is a uh, keyword replacement tool I learned about. Uh, Mitch Joel talked about it a lot back in the day, but it's a tool where you can essentially create um, little um, like snippets, uh, snippets of text that you type a little shortcut key and it'll then fill it in. So for instance, if I need to send somebody my bio, I have three different bios. There's like my longer bio, my medium bio, and then like my, my uh, social media profile bio. So if I want to send somebody my bio on my keyboard, all I have to do is hit semicolon bio mini and it'll send out my profile uh, bio. If I hit semicolon bio short, it's going to send out my short bio. And then if I do semicolon bio long, it sends that out. So I just save myself all the time of constantly rewriting it or going somewhere else, copying and pasting. I just have a tool now where I just have to remember a few, um, few different like keywords, basically, or keywords or key phrases that then will fill that in. I use this for introducing people. So when I meet someone, I want to start making introductions for them. I'll say, Hey, why don't you send me an email that you would want me to use to introduce you to someone? And once I get that, I'll, I'll zhuzh it up and make it my own thing. But I then put that in text expander. And when I get into an email where I'm about to introduce someone to somebody else, like, you know, my, my guest from two episodes ago, Yvonne, let's say I wanted to introduce her to Chris, right? I would say, Chris, meet Yvonne. And when I type meet, meet Yvonne, it would then fill in underneath that my introduction of her. And then I would say, Yvonne, meet Chris Lynn. And then it would fill in Chris's. So I've saved myself all this time and I'm now able to make introductions like that because I've automated it because I built a tool. Uh, well, I didn't build Text Expander, but I implemented a tool that allows me to save that time. Um, so I think looking for automation, even if you're like a solopreneur or if you're in a bigger, larger enterprise, it's important to look for these opportunities because you can, like, what's the point of doing it manually if you can automate it? So I'll give you a, another good example. I won't mention names of who these uh, folks are, but like I had a conversation with someone recently who has a monthly meeting they have to do. And in that monthly meeting, they have to go into a database full of information. They have to find a bunch of different numbers and they have to drop them into slides. And then they have to share those slides and have a, a meeting, right? That process of going to the database, finding the rows, copying them, and then pasting them into slides, to me, just feels like an amazing waste of time. And the simple solution, as I would see it, would be to build a script around it, to say, I need to generate report, generate report. And then it goes into the database, pulls that information, and then drops it into the slides. And usually this will be, if you've ever done like a mail merge with Excel and Word to print labels or, or envelopes, it's as simple as saying... Uh, there's like going to be a little placeholder inside your slides that say, you know, uh, November sales data or something like that. And then you would have the uh, something like Zapier or Make or any of these other tools would query that database and find that information. And once it found it, would drop it into that set of slides. Those are sort of things that, you know, you look at it once and you're like, okay, so it saved me 45 minutes, right? Okay, but if you do it every month, how much time does that save you over the course of the year? If you do that for 10 different tasks, how much time does that save you that you could then put towards other things that you're more interested in, that are more creative, that are more potentially impactful or useful? So if it's a thing that's just basic blocking and tackling, copy and pasting, moving data from here to there, converting data in one way or another, um, applying the same actions to a particular task or set of copy, 
you should automate that sort of thing. And it's easy enough to do now with the tools that are available off the shelf. If you don't know how to do it, you can always contact me uh, through Super Automated, which is just getsuperautomated.com. Uh, me and my business partner, Todd, can show you a bunch of stuff. We build fully automated sales funnels like we have. Uh, we have uh, marketing automation. We have a tool where we can listen for Google reviews and have ChatGPT automatically write responses. There's all sorts of opportunities for things that you can build when, without even bringing in generative AI. There's amazing things that you can build. But then when you bring in the possibility of having an AI start to fill in some of those gaps, especially the things where you can kind of trust that it's not going to mess it up entirely, um, that's a really big opportunity to kind of leapfrog competition that's still doing things manually. Um, so I want to close out, talked about 20 minutes so far. Um, not even really, cause I had about the first three minutes just, uh, spinning, but, um, want to talk about in the, in the post, I talk about the seven categories of automation and there may be more than this. This is not like definitive, like there are only seven categories. I just thought of these seven and I think that they're useful if you, uh, if you kind of think through this lens. So one second, I'm just gonna have a sip of my cold brew. So just also want to say, I haven't heard any crying and that's really awesome because I've been kind of flying through this a little bit because I'm a little worried about kiddo sitting there waiting for me while I'm live streaming with you. Anywho, um, seven categories of uh, automation. Here we go. So when you're like, okay, well, what, Jeff? Okay, I'm bought in. I wanna, I wanna automate some things. I'm looking for things I've done three times, but I don't even know really, so I thought of one thing, but I don't even know where to look. Like, what are the other things I can look for? So I want to give you categories of things that you can look for the rule of three, things that you do three times. Uh, here are seven categories that I found, and it's possible I may come up with an eighth while we're talking this through, but for now. So one is moving data from one place to another. If you are simply moving something from one place to another, you are serving as the vehicle to take a piece of data from one place and bringing it to another place. That's you're going from a spreadsheet to a document, from a document to a database, from a database to an email. All of those sorts of things where you're just moving information, you're pulling something from one place where you already have it and moving it elsewhere. That sort of thing, very easy to automate, generally speaking. Most of the tools that we use, cloud-based tools, very easy to automate. And there's even some automation built in on your computer where you can move stuff pretty quickly and easily. So uh, that's a big one. Look for opportunities where you're just moving data from one place to another. Okay, second thing. Uh, cleaning or converting data. Um, if you're converting data from one file format to another or something like that, or you have to like clean it and like kind of like remove things based on a certain set of conditions, those are really good uses of automation. Um, sometimes at a, at a higher level, you need things like a Python script to clean data and do things like that. But oftentimes right in Google Sheets, you can do it. And, and here's actually a really interesting thing that's worth tinkering with. If you are running into an issue in say Google Sheets or in a Notion database or something like that, and you're like, I just need a formula that will allow me to do X, Y, and Z. Go to ChatGPT and ask ChatGPT to help you create the formula. I've, I've already done some really super complex stuff using ChatGPT to help me write those formulas. And there are things that I, in the past, I've put together myself like, like 15 or 20 nested if statements sort of thing. And you just get to this point where you're like, okay, there's a comma, there's a comma somewhere or a parenthesis somewhere that's screwing things up. ChatGPT is really great. You just take your formula and say, what's wrong with this? And it'll rewrite it for you. You can copy paste and it works. So if you're trying to clean data in a spreadsheet or in a database or something like that, um, 
ask ChatGPT, hey, can you help me with a Notion formula? Can you help me with a Google Sheet formula with nested ifs? And they'll typically say, yeah, what are you trying to accomplish X, Y, and Z? So you'll get, if you do that, you'll also get better and better at using ChatGPT or tools like that um, to understand the prompt that you would need to be able to, to have it help you. So those are the first two. Uh, next one, notifications. If you need some sort of a notification for an event or if something has happened, uh, automated tools are really great for that. So inside of Zapier, you can set up an action where you're notified by email or notified by text. Um, there are some apps that are out there. Um, I'm not exactly sure of these anymore because I don't really use push notifications quite as much anymore, but there are ways, there are tools where it's set up just to take in push notifications and give you push notifications. So you can plug that into another application and, and have it uh, push notifications for you. So if you want to know, say, if the temperature dips below 60 degrees Fahrenheit, sorry, European and everywhere else listeners. Um, if you want to know uh, a mention of, you know, your name or your brand name, you've got like Google alerts and you've got like mention.net or .com. Um, you've got tools like that that will listen and bring you back information and then notify you that that sort of thing happens, which actually brings me to my fourth one, which is listening. So if you need to monitor for something, typically this will go with your notifications, but if you need to monitor for a certain type of information, data changing, um, new things showing up from you know an RSS feed or on a website or things like that, there are a lot of data scraping tools. There's also a lot of just basic built-in easy stuff you can do again with Zapier or with uh, Make or other tools like that. So it can look for different things and listen for different things and then notify you in different ways. Um, so notifications, listening. Uh, fifth one, publishing. So this was kind of going back to um, the Ping FM conversation at the very beginning that I was saying. You can absolutely use tools to schedule content to go out. You can use tools um, that will automatically send newsletters at specified dates, somebody's birthday, somebody's anniversary, when they signed up for your newsletter, whatever it is. You can set publishing to happen um, by way of an automation. You can also trigger publishing to happen by way of an automation. So as an example, when I publish a blog post or I publish a podcast episode, there's an RSS feed for both of those instances. So my blog has an RSS feed. My podcast has an RSS feed. That RSS feed is sort of a subscription. It's basically like the paperboy, essentially. It's a subscription feed. And anytime it's updated, the RSS feed gets updated. And you can take um, tools, like I said, there's uh, there was Twitter feed. Now there's Deliver It. It's dlvr.it. And then I use a tool called Sendable for my social media. And what I do is basically plug in RSS feeds for any of the things where I publish information. And then I have that automatically go out on my different social channels. So it's always better to publish natively on social channels. However, we all got stuff to do. We got babies napping. We got uh, meetings to go to. Lots of Zoom, you know, a lot of Zoom meetings. So who has time to remember that they got to go and get that thing that they scheduled to publish at 630 and yada, 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 that they now need to go and publish it. So let a tool do it. Let an automated tool do it. It'll listen for it. It'll know when it happens. It'll trigger it and it'll publish for you. So that's a big one. Uh, scheduling, which is related to the publishing, which is that you can uh, schedule content to go up. You can also automate scheduling meetings. I got to tell you, if there is a gate of hell that I do not want to pass through, it is managing my own scheduling. I hate it. I hate going back and forth in five emails just to try and find a 15 minute window to talk about something. I'd almost rather just pick up the phone, but who uses the phone? Um, but using a tool like Calendly or Acuity Scheduling or any of these other ones, um, you can automatically 
send somebody a, a, you can send somebody a link and it, they have the ability to automatically put themselves on your calendar because it's, it's scanning your calendar for availability that you set. Um, and then related to that, actually, there's a tool that I use called calendar bridge and another one called one Cal. And I use that so that, um, if you're like me, I have multiple calendars. So I have calendars for different clients that I work with. And then I have my, my primary calendar. Uh, and then even in my primary calendar, I have a personal calendar. I have a shared calendar with my wife and I want to be able to see it all in one place. I also want to be able to, um, share information, um, you know, according to different rules. Like I want my team to be able to see the, all of the information about what I'm doing at work, but I want them to just see free and busy as it relates to personal calendars. And I don't want them to have to subscribe to like 20 calendars. So I use these programs called OneCal and Calendar Bridge to basically be able to sync information back and forth between cam- uh, calendars. So I'm able to take, you know, a work calendar and sync the events directly into my primary calendar. And then I'm able to take the events that are in my primary calendar and sync them with just free and busy information back to that work calendar. So I can do really cool stuff like that. So you can actually uh, let robots, and that's partly moving data from one place to another, um, but also scheduling. So uh, really cool stuff you can do with calendars nowadays, um, especially since they have feeds. That's actually another thing that um, I think, in addition to triggers and actions, you also want to look for like feeds of information. So that's anything with an RSS feed or it's anything where um, the software has an API. Usually that's going to give you an indication that you can do some sort of an automation because that's just how software talks to one another. Uh, final thing is uh, reacting and engaging. So you can actually use automation to react or engage with people. Uh, this isn't exactly the best thing in the world because I think generally speaking as a business or as a person, when somebody sends you uh, any sort of outreach, whether it's a, giving you a shout out for something, they have a customer complaint, whatever it is, I think it's best that you as a human connect with them. But you can use automation to notify you and you can use automation sometimes to send back uh, one of your many templated replies or anything else. So so there's a lot of different ways that you can incorporate automation from fully automated to partially automated and saving you some steps. Um, But I think it's worth looking for any and all of those opportunities. So I just wanted to go into a little bit more depth about the post that I uh, published uh, just yesterday and uh, talk a little bit about automation and hopefully pique your curiosity about some of the things that you can do. I am, for one, working on some totally interesting and fascinating things that incorporate ChatGPT, where we are able to trigger certain things or provide certain types of information and have it generate um, what I would consider about 80% complete deliverables for different things where um, really where, where as a creative and as a strategist that I need to go to work, are, is that like 20% of creativity? It's like the part that comes after you put down the basics, you know, where you've, you've done the outline and you've done the, you know, the facts about the company or whatever, like you've got that stuff. Now you need to go in there and actually make it awesome. So a lot of the times I'm using, uh, or I'm starting to build out tools that help to get me about 80% of the way there. And then I take the rest of it and I make it fantastic. But I'm using the tools to cut down the amount of time it takes me to deliver work, which means I can deliver more of it. It means I can also deliver it at a higher quality when we have tools that can uh, can do the basics just as well as us and in a fraction of the time. Um, so those are some of the things I'm using it for. Uh, I'm doing things where I'm trying to, uh, as I find like, you know, books I like or um, podcasts or videos, things like that. With the new ChatGPT4, it appears as though you're going to be able to have um, 
the AI actually summarize that stuff for you and take notes for you and do things like that. So I'm actually building out tools where I can automate things like that, where I can supply different pieces of media or information that I've found interesting. And I can have the AI kind of summarize where some of the key points and takeaways so that I can then use that as a study guide later. Um, so a lot of cool and interesting applications. Um, that's the most of what I wanted to talk about today is just automation. I think it's really cool. Um, I think it uh, can go one of two ways. I've, I've also written a post called um, The Robot Aftermath, I think is the name of the post, but it's where I'm a little less optimistic about uh, you know all of this AI and all of these automations and what it means for us and what it means for our economy and our civilization. Because um, if we don't use that to make life better for everyone, if we don't use that as an opportunity to work less, if we don't use that as an opportunity to move away from some of the things that are really horrible in the way things currently operate, then I think it's a missed opportunity. You know, if we just use it so that a handful of people can continue to make more money and other people are just out of a job now because robots do it, I, I think that's the wrong direction. So um, I'm optimistic in some ways about what AI and different automation offers us and gives us the opportunity to do. But I think we also need to pair that with a culture that has its eye on what it what a better world might look like because this ain't it the way it's currently going. And I fear that a lot of these things are going to displace people who otherwise had work to do. Maybe it was the most exciting work, but sometimes it was work that um, was sort of a precursor to people stepping up and learning the next level of things and, and developing a real expertise. And I fear that a lot of that's gone. Like basic copywriting is, is kind of done with, um, you know, if you're just doing basic blocking and tackling, like, you know, a robot can do that faster than you and, and more customizable. And it's just, there's, there's no management issues there. It's just a robot, you know? So at least for now. Um, so I, 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 I hope that we continue to be thoughtful or maybe we start to be thoughtful about these tools, uh, who owns them, uh, how we eliminate bias within them, how we, um, make sure that the fruits of this automation and these AIs, uh, are equally distributed. Um, not always optimistic that that will happen, but I'm, you know, I remain hopeful and I hope that the way that uh, me and the companies that I'm working with and a part of uh, will continue to use these tools for good. Um, you can hold me to that. I encourage you to. Um, and aside from that, I got nothing else. Um, so I will uh, jump off before I hear crying, which I anticipate will be coming any moment now based on the amount of time he's been napping. So I will just say to you, thank you for tuning in, whether you were live or listened or watched after the fact. Make sure to follow me on LinkedIn. The uh, links to everything and all the ways to follow me and do all the things will always be in the show notes. It's just a single link. It's just jgibber.com. You can find everything. Uh, follow me on LinkedIn. Subscribe to me on YouTube and uh, or anywhere you want to catch the show live, which could be you know Twitch, Facebook, YouTube, LinkedIn, whatever. Uh, and then you can also subscribe to this as a podcast. It is now live on iTunes, on Stitcher, on Google, on Spotify. It is kind of all over the place and it's live on the Shareable Podcast Network. Um, which is just about ready to actually launch. I mean, we, I got like three or four shows up there myself. I got one other show and I'm about to start inviting other people to it because we figured out the media player issue. And anyway, that's talk for another day. Uh, thank you for your attention and or feedback. Anybody that writes in or comments or chats, any of that stuff, it's like primo. Love you for it. it means a lot. And uh, I will see you next week once the baby falls back asleep. Thank you. <laughs>